and I'm looking in the mirror all the time, wondering what you don't see in me. I've been funny. I've been cool with the lines. Ain't that the way love's supposed to be? Tell me, where can I find a woman like that? You know, I wish that I had. Jessie's girl. I wish that I had Jessie's girl. I want Jessie's girl. Where can I find a woman like that? Like Jessie's girl. I wish that I had Jessie's girl. I want. I want Jessie's girl. Well, that was a non-artistic, non-talented podcast version of Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield. Some of you may think I'm crazy. You may be right, but for those of you who knew Rick Springfield and of his song back in the 1980s, you understand that Rick was envious, and he was really envious of pensions. Really, I think that's what Jesse represented. Well, guys and girls, there's no more need to be envious. We all can get a pension, like Hoop, like the teachers, and like Homer's. Listen more so that you can learn how you no longer need to yearn for Jesse's girl. How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for healthcare professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. I hope that you all listened to my uh, episodes, part one and two on IPP, Individual Pension Plan, where we discuss the benefits of a pension plan in comparison to a RRSP and the RRIF. This is just a logical continuation of that discussion on pensions for small business owners and incorporated professionals. And as I said in my intro, uh, we have been envious of people who had pensions, who worked in the hospital, who worked for institutions. And I have heard many of my colleagues saying that we should, be, you should become employees of the state so that we can receive a salary, therefore receive a pension. I'm against that idea that we should become employees because even though we get a pension, we forego a lot of opportunity. And when you weigh the risk and the benefit, or I should say the pros and cons, it is not worth it. However, does it mean we no longer and can ever get a pension? That's not true. And this is where I'm going to show you how it could be done. We're going to talk about the nuts and bolts about it. And you can decide at the end whether going forward with this is a good idea for you. And again, keep remembering. If it doesn't make sense for you, it doesn't make sense to go ahead. So listen to the podcast, understand it, analyze it, internalize it, and then decide whether this is right for you or not. This particular podcast, uh, or I should say this particular topic, pensions, uh, with the trademark name PPP, Personal Pension Plan, is actually very full and complete with a lot of information. And because of that, I have separated this into three episodes. And this represents episode number one. So welcome uh, to the How's My Financial 
Health Doc podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about something very special uh, for healthcare professionals, for doctors, dentists, and I am assuming even lawyers. In fact, for all individuals who can incorporate and have a professional corporation. And so we're going to be talking about how to and why we should invest in time and effort in understanding uh, building up a pension plan within these corporations. And I have with me uh, an expert, uh, Mr. Jean-Pierre Laporte. Uh, I'm going to say it in the real French way, so Monsieur Laporte. Mr. Laporte is a founded Integris Pension Management with the intent of providing better solutions for investors looking to minimize taxes while protecting their assets. He worked over the past decade as a pension lawyer for a number of prestigious firms in Toronto. He has dedicated himself to improving pension legislation and is often called as an expert witness on pension matters before the House of Commons Standing Committee on Finance. In recognition of his various contributions to the development of new forms of retirement savings plans, uh, Monsieur Laporte was awarded the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal in October 2012. So it is with great pleasure that uh, I welcome uh, Monsieur Laporte. Uh, Monsieur Laporte, um, I've introduced you. That's the very formal way. How about uh, you say a little bit of word about yourself? Uh, what 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 was your passion? Uh, how what how did this come about? Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm actually just a just a pension lawyer to to really uh, that's passionate about using pension legislation to help people. Uh, how this came about was that. I was uh, working for a large firm and we were wondering, well, what can we do to help lawyers save money for retirement? And I came across the idea, well, why don't we use uh, individual pension plans? And so start researching them and realized that while individual pension plans were fabulous and allowed a lot of extra tax deductions that don't exist with an RRSP, they had a number of problems. And so I set about fixing those problems. And that's how we created the personal pension plan or PPP. So that's kind of the, the, the story behind it. Very good. There's obviously a lot of words that we threw out there. Uh, we threw a lot of big words. So don't worry, we're going to dive into all of them. And so for the individual investor or the individual person in Canada, we can save our money in a retirement plan called an RRSP for incorporated uh, people. So for corporations, there are other things, but most of us are not familiar with pension plans, uh, let alone um, small business owners or self-employed individuals. So tell us a little bit about your understanding or your concept of RRSP and what we should know, maybe in a 20-second type of nutshell. Sure. Okay, well, the RRSP, the Registered Retirement Savings Plan, first came in 1957. And in fact, it was you guys, it was the doctors, the Canadian Medical Association, who lobbied uh, for this type of plan. And uh, the very first RRSP ever created was by the Canadian Medical Association. And it allows you every year to make a contribution that is tax deductible from your personal income. So if you're self-employed, you're not incorporated, 
uh, you can contribute up to 18% of your uh, earning income in the previous year, not the current year. Uh, and you can claim that as a deduction on your personal uh, income tax return. That's it. Unfortunately, there, there isn't much more to the RRSP in terms of tax savings. And uh, that's why the other types of legislation uh, was developed later on to create much larger uh, pension nest eggs. Okay, great. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about the pension landscape as it pertains to self-employed and physicians. Uh, what has happened or what was the history and what has happened recently with the new tax law changes? Uh, about oh, well, more than a decade ago, um, the law was changed in many provinces to allow physicians to incorporate, to set up a medicine professional corporation. So many of the self-employed doctors decide to go this route and created professional corporations. And the standard advice that many accountants uh, was giving to these doctors was just pay the low carpet tax rate on the first $500,000 inside your professional corporation. And instead of taking into income and paying tax at 50%, so pay tax at 15% instead of 50%. And the monies that haven't been taxed that are inside the corporation, you can invest them in an investment account. Now, what has changed is that in 2017, the federal government decided that this was a loophole and therefore needed to be fixed. The concept here is that when the professional corporation uh, is investing this, these retained earnings, these dollars that were uh, after the company was taxed, when they're investing these retained earnings, these retained earnings are considered passive investments. And the government doesn't like when a professional corporation has passive investments in it because they feel that it's unfair. Uh, so they started uh, imposing new laws that would tax in a punitive manner those who persist in keeping their retained earnings invested passively inside of their corporation, inside of their professional corporation. Uh, so, I mean, that's one of the measures. Another measure, which is a little different, which is what we call the tax on split income. And that was to deal with the fact that a lot of doctors were sprinkling income to family members who had nothing to do with the, with the professional corporation uh, and therefore utilizing each person in the household, utilizing their personal tax deductions so that you could pay a lot of money out without um, anyone paying any tax. So the government didn't like those measures. They wrote a white paper in July of 2017, and eventually they adopted this legislation that I've been talking about, this tax on passive investment and this tax on split income. So that's the new reality that's facing uh, doctors who were following the standard advice that I talked about. Don't take a salary, just pay the small corporate tax rate in your company and with the retained earnings invested passively.
With these new laws, there's obviously impact on how corporations are taxed and what physicians and small business owners can do. And so tell us a little bit about the new way of thinking, how your plan, the PPP can help with that. But first, before we jump into that, let's jump into uh, the IPP. You mentioned that earlier. So maybe just a little word about IPP, and then we'll jump right into PPP. Sure, a little history lesson on the IPP. So I meant, I told you the RRSP came about in 1957. In 1991, the IPP was born and uh, the rules for individual pension plans were codified in the income tax regulations at that time. And what an IPP does or is, it's a, what we call in pension jargon, we call that a defined benefit registered pension plan. The reason why it's called defined benefit is because what you're pulling out in retirement is defined by a formula. And the formula is uh, a percentage. So the, the annual pension you're pulling out, your benefit is a percentage of your salary multiplied by how many years you've been saving under the plan. And it defines, so it says, you know, if you know what your salaries were and you know how long you've been saving the plan, you plug it into the formula and it will spit out an annual pension. So let's say that your salary to just for round numbers, this may not be realistic, but round numbers, your company is paying you $100,000 a year in salary and you've been doing this for 30 years. Well, the formula would say 2% of 100,000, so that's 2,000 multiplied by 30 years, so that's 60,000. So your annual pension owed to you by the pension plan will be $60,000 a year for the rest of your life. So that's the defined benefit model. It's the same model that is used by HOOP, the uh, Healthcare of Ontario Pension Plan, uh, the Teachers Pension Plan of Ontario, the GM Pension Plan, a lot of classic pension plans use this type of formula and model, the defined benefit model, which is what an IPP offers. There's a lot more to it. I mean, that's the basic, and I'm happy to, during the course of this podcast, get into more of the specifics, but I just wanted to give you a big picture overview of what, what this beast is. Absolutely. I think that's good to at least understand what the IPP is, and also in comparison, what, what it is in comparison to other pension plans. So now let's uh, jump into PPP so that we understand that. Sure. So a PPP is a combination registered pension plan. So it combines what an IPP offers. So it combines a defined benefit model. Remember with that formula that we just talked about, it combines it with a defined contribution component, meaning that under the defined contribution rule, it's much simpler. It's kind of like with an RSP, you know how much you're gonna put in because it's defined, your contribution is defined usually as a percentage of income. The standard defined contribution plan will say, you can put 10% of your salary in the plan. So if your salary is $100,000, the contribution would be $10,000. So that, that did not exist with the IPP? No, 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 no. The, an IPP is just the defined benefit plan. Right. 
the, the big innovation, if you can call it that, was to combine what the IPP offered, the defined benefit model, the 2% times salary times years of service with this simple um, X percent of salary defined contribution model. Right. So that's the, but there's one last thing that I wanted to mention is that in addition to this defined contribution component, the PPP also has a third component called the additional voluntary contribution. So AVC, additional voluntary contribution component. So really a PPP is a triple account combination plan because you will have a defined benefit account, defined contribution account, and an AVC account. And you're probably wondering, well, what the heck is an AVC? What does it do? Absolutely. I was thinking about that. Of course, everybody does. So what it does is that it allows you to transfer existing RRSPs or, or RIF money, registered retirement income fund monies, mm -hmm. tax-free basis. So you, we use a special CRA Canada Revenue Agency form called a T2033-2033. It's a special form. And what it does is it moves your RRSPs into this third account, into the AVC component of the plan on a tax-free basis. So it allows you to consolidate wealth, registered monies, right? Pre-tax monies uh, in, under one roof. And the reason why the AVC account is so exciting is because there is a rule under the Income Tax Act that says you cannot write off, you cannot take a deduction for the investment management fees that you're paying the money manager or the person that's looking after your RRSP. Mm -hmm. But that rule doesn't apply to a PPP. Exactly. When you transfer, let's say a million dollars that's sitting in an RRSP where you're, you're being charged 2% fees or 1% fee, doesn't matter. So let's say $10,000 a year in fees, and you cannot write those off. When you transfer that same money, the million dollars into the ABC account, now your professional corporation can take a write-off, can pay for the fees and take the $10,000 as a deduction off of its corporate income. And so that is for the write-off portion, but once you've transferred the funds into an AVC, does it still, is it still subject to the same rules and regulations of the RSP and no. eventually become a RIF? No, 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 that's the beauty of it. So when you have an RSP, let's talk about investing a little bit. When you have an RRSP, the law says that you can only invest your RSP monies in what are called qualified investments. And there's a whole laundry list of uh, available options, usually stocks and bonds traded on the stock market. And there's a few other, uh, it was a bunch of other, you know, asset classes that qualify. But there are certain things that you cannot do with an RRSP because the investment you're contemplating is not qualified. For example, if you wanted to buy land, if I wanted to, let's say I'm a farmer and there's a plot of land that just opened up on the market that I really want to buy. Well, I can't buy that land with my RRSP because it's not a qualified investment, but it would be okay for my PPP to buy that land 
to cut a check and buy that land and become the owner of that land as an investment. When you transfer your million dollars RRSP into the AVC account, it becomes pension money. It ceases to be RRSP. So does that also mean that when that transfer to the pension money, there's no longer RSP account and there's no longer a RIF account at age 71? That's right. It's no longer an RSP. It's a, when it when it enters into the pension plan, it lo- it changes its legal nature. It's no longer an RSP, and now it's considered pension money. Okay. So the pension rules now apply to that cash. Okay. Very good. That is uh, very interesting, as and you nailed it. Uh, it's very exciting because, for example, and I don't want to go too long on this, but for example, let's say you wanted to buy units of a limited partnership in the United States. Let's say there's a private investment company in the US that's buying a toll highway in Nebraska. I don't know, I'm just making this up. And the way that they structured it, it's a, it's a limited partnership. And what's on offer are units, and these units are not RSP eligible. So the only way as a Canadian investor that you could buy those units is with a non-registered taxable account. Yeah. Every time you make money, you pay taxes, probably in the U.S. and in Canada. Here, with a pension plan, you could become an investor. The pension plan is an investor and buys those units. Why? Because they're qualified for a pension plan. They're not for an RSP, which means you're buying those units with pre-tax dollars. It also means that because you're in a pension plan, the U.S. won't tax you on the growth either because they recognize the PPP as a true pension plan, just like a U.S. pension plan. So there's no U.S. tax. Of course, there's no Canadian tax because it's a pension plan in Canada. That's, that's a given. And, and so, so you can now do types of investing that were not open to you before. That, I think that is very powerful. That is absolutely very powerful. The other thing that is also very powerful is the different tax laws as it applies to a pension plan versus a RRSP. I think one of the things that I commonly hear from accountants is, you know, in regards to physicians, is that, you know, if you don't have any retained earnings in your corporation, there's no point in incorporating. I've often mentioned that there are many other strategies that someone should still incorporate, even though they don't have retained earnings for different reasons. But I believe that this is probably one of them as well, because you can set up a pension plan within the corporation and do things that otherwise an RSP cannot do. Exactly, exactly. And because the PPP, remember that defined contribution account that I mentioned? Yes. The way it's structured with us is that the minimum contribution percentage required is 1% a salary. So it doesn't take a lot of cash to keep the plan, to open up the plan and keep it alive because all you need to put in is 1% of your salary. But once the plan is open, because you've got this third account, the additional voluntary contribution account, it allows you to transfer any amount of RSP you may have. So if you've save $2 million in RSPs up to this point in time. You can roll that into the AVC account. And of course, all the fees now become tax deductible, which is good. But then you can invest in non-RSP eligible asset classes, which is what we were just talking about with the yes. toll highway in Nebraska. 
And, yeah. but it doesn't require you to, to, to contribute huge amounts of money to have access to this higher level of investing. Mm -hmm. So just for clarification, the AVC account is only available in the PPP, not in the IPP. Well, it's possible for an IPP to have an AVC account. The law allows for it. Okay. Some actuaries don't do um, AVCs and some do. The law does allow for it. The law does allow for it. Okay. Now we know what a PPP is. We understand why it is important we consider a PPP. So the next question is when? When should someone do this? Is there a, an ideal time? Is there an ideal situation that someone should consider a PPP? Well, you know, my, uh, there are a lot of people that say to me, well, doctors spend all their money, right? They have- That's true. They have, you know, a lot of uh, expenses. We spend more than we make most of the time. Yeah, so that's a problem generally, not just for PPPs and IPPs and RRSPs. That's a, that's a big systemic problem. Uh, and of course, if you, if you have someone who spends a lot more than they earn, they really shouldn't be talking to me because there's nothing I can do really for, to help them. Exactly. I'm only- Don't get the house in order first. Well, yeah, I mean, except maybe what we talked about, which is to use the ABC uh, conduit to get into better investments. That doesn't matter if you don't save anything. Is if you've already, if you've got some assets in an RSP, and you you're not going to put any more because you're spending more than you are earning. But what you do have in your RSP, if you want to roll into the ABC account and go investing in non-RSP eligible asset classes, then that's open to you. But aside from this really rare case, what we're trying to do is help those that are able to generate a little bit of surplus, those that are going to be caught by those new tax measures that we talked about earlier, this tax on passive investment and this tax on split income. Those who were told by their accountants to keep all the money in the company. We're trying to help those doctors take some of that money and get it out of the company and put it in a tax sheltered pension plan so that they can grow without any tax and develop a nice nest egg when you no longer are able to practice medicine. And now you have to look to your pension plan as your, as one of your sources of income. Understood. I believe that creating a pension inside a corporation, whether it's IPP or PPP, is an efficient strategy to deal with the new tax laws brought in by the uh, recent government. I also believe that uh, the PPP offers a little bit more advantage than the IPP. So at this point, we have not dwelled into everything yet. We did not do a deep dive. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, this would be a three-part series. So we will conclude here for part number one, because really it was about discussing what a pension plan is, what's an IPP, what's the difference between that and a PPP, and what are the different things that could be done inside a PPP, and truly understanding the additional voluntary contribution, the AVC. It was really important that we understand that 
third portion of this pension. So we're going to end the podcast here, and I'm hoping that you will join me for part two very soon. If you want to reach out to me, you can go on to my new website, financialhealthdoc.com. Again, it is financialhealthdoc.com or email me at hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. One more time, it is hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. How is My Financial Health Doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice. 